John chapter 12, we had just discussed the, la- or the raising of Lazarus, and um, that was the last of the seven miracles of Jesus' ministry. And uh, now we move into, uh, from here on out, we're looking into the last week of Jesus' earthly life. So these are the final days before his work on the cross. And uh, so there's there's no more walking around uh, doing these things. This is now uh, mostly dialogue and and, and um, uh, just us seeing what the Lord had to say about uh, himself or uh, as as he was preparing to leave this world, the last things that he had to say. So we have several chapters to go, but there's no more of the public ministry of Jesus Christ walking around and uh, healing and uh, and those things. Those those seven miracles <clears throat> uh, wrap that up. So uh, as we as we pick up here, John chapter twelve is a uh, another. We're moving into a a different gear here. So uh, chapter twelve, verse one says, "Then six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus." Uh, was was who had been dead, whom he had raised from the dead. There they made a supper, and and Martha served. Lazarus was one who sat with him at the table, at the table with him. Then Mary took a pound of very costly spikenard, anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair. And though, and the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. So this is six days before Passover, and Passover was that um, that celebration of the Lord delivering um, Israel, uh, the the start of Him delivering them totally from Egypt. But it, it was the 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 tenth plague that was poured out was the death of the firstborn, and uh, there was to be uh, an offering of a spotless lamb, uh, and that lamb was not to have any of its bones broken. And, uh, you know, God had instituted a, a commemorative meal for Passover, a fire-roasted lamb with bitter herbs and unleavened bread. Uh, the unleavened bread, we know uh, from the scriptures that, that leaven symbolized sin. So uh, there's a, a, if you look at the Old Testament uh all of the offerings in the Old Testament point to Jesus Christ. Uh, all of all of the sacrifices, all these things, point in one way or another to Jesus Christ. And uh, when you when you consider these few things of the spotless lamb, uh, the uh, the broken the bones that were not broken, uh, and the unleavened bread, uh, we'll see here how that ties into. Uh, Jesus Christ. Exodus chapter 12, verse 46 says, uh, in one house it shall be eaten. And he's talking about the Passover meal. You shall not carry any of the flesh outside the house, nor shall you break one of its bones. Numbers 12, uh, 9, 12 says, they shall leave none of it until morning, nor break one of its bones. According to all the ordinances of the Passover, they shall keep it. Colossians 2, 17 tells us that the Old Testament observances of sacrifices were a shadow of things to come in Christ, uh, but the substance is of Christ. 1 Corinthians 5, 7 says, For indeed, Christ, our Passover, was sacrificed for us. Um, it's, I know I've got several of them coming at you here, but 
John 19, 33 and 36. Both say, but when they had came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. For these things, and then it moved to verse 36. It says, For these things were done, that the scripture should be filled, and not one of his bones shall be broken. Regarding the spotless lamb, Revelation 5.12, we read of all of heaven crying out, Worthy is the lamb who was slain. So this Passover that's happening is something that Israel was very familiar with. They understood what Passover was. And the Lord had instituted this uh, to remind Israel what they were spared of when his wrath was poured out. And they would put the blood, they were told all the way back in Exodus, to put the blood on the doorposts and on the lentils of their home. And we've discussed this before, but that creates a cross that that was over their uh, their doorway. Uh, So as they put the blood of that spotless lamb, and uh, they were to have unleavened bread in their home, uh, so the lamb, the unleavened bread, those are those things are are being commemorated here. And in that sacrifice, that lamb, the bones were not to be broken. It was all pointing to Jesus Christ. So as Passover is coming here, the the fulfillment of of the actual Passover sacrifice is about to happen uh, when Jesus's life is laid down. His uh, sinless uh, blood was going to be spilled on our behalf. None of his bones were going to be bro- uh, be broken. And uh, his blood would cover us. Because as that blood was on the doorposts and on the lintels um, of, the, of that home, uh, the, the cross there that was symbolized there, as, as uh, the angel of death went through and was killing uh, the firstborn uh, in Egypt because of uh, the Pharaoh's um, unwillingness to release Israel, the ones that had the blood on the doorpost and on the lintel were spared that death. There, there's all kinds of spiritual application to when, when we consider what Passover is and that Jesus Christ uh, was sacrificed. And uh, as, as Passover is coming up, it's, it's no uh, coincidence. But all those who had the, the blood on the door were spared the wrath. Now, speaking of doors, uh, the doors of our hearts. You know, Jesus doesn't plow his way uh, into into our hearts. He's he's a gentleman, and and if we reject him, he will allow us to reject him. But if we uh, if we understand who he is, and that he knocks on the door of our hearts, and that he stands at the door, and 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 he wants to come in. Revelation three twenty says, "Behold, I stand at the door and knock." If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and will dine with him and he with me. That door, the door that separated life from death because of who Jesus Christ is, the cross that was put on there, the blood that, that, that made the difference between those homes, his blood makes the difference in our lives. You know, as, as we're considering Passover, that for the Christian, those who have, have placed their faith and trust in him, we know that as he stood at the door and knocked, we can accept him and he makes us whole because of the blood that was poured out for us. That he is our Passover. He's the one to spare us from the wrath of God. Verse, uh, the second half of verse 1 into verse 2, we, uh, we see here that uh, Jesus was back in Bethany uh, where, G- where Lazarus uh, had had been dead and and uh, that Jesus had rose him from the raised him from the dead and uh, there they made a supper and Mary served 
Lazarus was one of those who sat by his side, and Mary um, anoints him. So looking at the personalities, we've already seen several times Martha being a leader and being a servant. She's a doer. We talked about that last week also, and here she is, and she's doing again. Martha is serving here, and, and we don't have any record of her complaining. Any, uh, hey, you know, uh, you know, Mary sitting at your feet. Don't you care that I'm I'm the only one serving? We don't we don't see any of that. I I force I, I can look back and I imagine Martha walking around with the biggest smile she's ever had on her face. Her brother who was dead four days and, and no hope. And then when Jesus arrives, he's raised uh, to life again. Jesus calls him out of the grave, and now Martha has a new. Uh, joy in her heart and and seeing what has happened in her life with that joy it's overflowing with gratitude uh, and I, I don't there's no way she's murmuring there's no way she's going through everything that's happening here and having Jesus uh, nearby and and at their house again they uh, she just a grin ear to ear and and uh, you know, we see that that Martha no shocker she's there. And she's serving. And, and Lazarus, we don't know a lot about him, but we know that the Lord loved him. And he's sitting with Jesus. I think I would be too. He's the one that called me out of the grave. You're, you're not getting me away from his side. I'm right here. You know, there's a lot of spiritual application right there, isn't there? That that man that was called from the grave, called from his uh, spiritually uh, dead existence into life. And he's right next to Jesus. There's a lot of application for us to understand that where we were and where God has brought us, there should be no other place that we want to be than to be with Jesus. Because what sometimes happens with us is there's that you know parable of the sower. You know the the seed is thrown out, and sometimes the bird comes immediately and steals it. And sometimes uh, you know as that the the, the, um, the crop starts growing up, the thorns uh, come and they choke it out. And when when we consider that those uh, situations can happen in our lives in the Christian's life, we need to be very vigilant of where we are spiritually. That if we're in a point where we're not feeding ourselves, if we're not in regular church attendance, if we're not in a point where we're in the word uh, every day and we're praying and we're spending time with brothers and sisters, uh, we can get to that point where, like uh, is like it's said in that parable, where we can uh, all the cares of this life can choke everything out and we forget who it was that saved us and and uh, that that he calls us to walk with him for the rest of our days. There's no doubt that Lazarus's love for Jesus laughed, lasted throughout his whole life. That he he uh, and Martha and Mary had a special relationship with Jesus Christ and they they loved him and when uh, when Jesus called him from the grave it only intensified uh, their relationship with him only intensified. So for us we have to maintain our relationship. We can drift. We're the one. Jesus doesn't go anywhere. He doesn't move away from us. It's us that push him away uh, with the cares of this life. If we're in that, that, that point, go to the Lord as we're here and just, and, just, and just speak to him and say, Lord, bring me back. Take me into the Holy of Holies. Bring me, you know, keep me right here. You know, I don't, I don't want to go anywhere else but with you. Mary, again, is at Jesus' feet, and we know that that's a pattern for her. 
before when uh, they were uh, serving Jesus in their house. Martha was running around and, hey, don't she came to Jesus. Don't you care that she's not doing anything and I'm the one serving? And Jesus said that she had chosen the right thing to sit and listen to Jesus's words. And then when uh, Lazarus had died, who runs and falls at Jesus's feet? Lord, if you had been here, she is constantly at the feet of Jesus Christ. That is her way of worshiping. Mary's way of worshiping is being, I don't want a busybody sounds bad, but she's a very, she's a doer. She, she serves in, in what she's doing. That's uh, that's that's her uh, her way uh, her special way. Now now uh, no doubt they would they would pray they would sing and those things. But what the different callings of the Lord on our lives? Uh, I, I what I love is we can look in the Scripture and see that some were uh, blessed with uh, working with the skills in their hands. And some were made into uh, and 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 they were uh, they were woodworkers or they were uh, working with metallurgy or or whatever those things are. And some were singing. Some were uh, just loving people. There, there's so many different gifts in in the uh, in the scriptures that are are uh, presented to us that we can't put everybody in a box and say, "Well, you need to do this too," because I'm do, I'm doing this. Uh, you need to do this because this is what I do. You know, not everybody's called to do the same thing, and that's a that's a a blessing because you don't want me running electrical wiring. It scares me. I've tried to run electrical stuff in my house, like changing out a a light switch or something. I'm scared. I got all the power off. Even though all the power's off, the lights are off and everything, I've got my little testers making sure, and I'm like, you know, connecting things. It's it's scary. To, I'm, I'm afraid I'm going to electrocute myself. I just, it's not a comfort zone for me. Plumbing, not a comfort zone for me. You mess up, water's everywhere, right? There are certain things that, that I can do and certain things I can't. And whatever the Lord has blessed me with, those desires and, and, and the drive that he's blessed me with, I'm called to serve him uh, with those things. And what we see in Martha's life is she's blessed in serving. And uh, Mary is blessed uh, in quietly worshiping the Lord, just quietly sitting at his feet. She has that personal adoration. Uh, considering uh, Mary, uh, it reminded me of, of Anna. And on Christmas Eve, we went to Luke 2, uh, and I'll just share one verse with you. Luke 2, uh, 37, the end of it says, A widow of about 84 years, who did not part from the, uh, part, depart from the temple, but served God with fasting and prayers night and day. You're just somebody that I just want to be uh, at church all the time, and I want to pray and uh, fast. I want to just seek the Lord. Others are going to come in here and sweep the floors. Others are going to come in and take care of the, the physical needs of here. And then some people are blessed uh, with uh, the gift of, of praying and uh, just seeking uh, the, the, the face of God and, and that moving on their heart to do so. And that's, that's how they serve this church. If we were to look down upon that and say, oh, well, I never see them here doing this and that. But they're home and they're on their face before the Lord praying. I've had so many people say, hey, we were praying for you in this group or, you know, or just come up and say, hey, I've been praying for you. You don't know how much that blesses me. You know, I, there's there's so much that that I, you know, I, I have a full time job out of here. I, I my um, I've got my my family at home, my wife and daughters that we're always running in different directions, doing things. And it's not always easy. Sometimes there are weeks where I'm like, oh, my goodness, I've got to prepare another. OK, when am I going to do that? OK, I'm going to make 45 minutes right here. You know, sometimes it's, it's, it's difficult to do those things. But the Lord always ministers to me 
because there are times where I'm fumbling through and, and everything, and I'm like, there's no way anybody got anything out of that. And then uh, the Lord will just speak because it's the word that does the work. It's, it's not me. It's the word that goes out and, and performs what the Lord sent it out for, right? And then we see what God does in those situations where hey, he doesn't need me. He does, yes, I'm, I'm called to be prepared and everything. But when someone says, I've been praying for you, and then at the end of that service, somebody was, was blessed and, and the word was taught. My, my prayer is accurately and effectively every time I'm, I'm up here, that I would teach it accurately and effectively. I'm not up here to be a, a, a star and uh, I don't have aspirations to, to hey, we're going to be on TV and I'm going to go get all the, I mean, look at me, I'm going to go get all the perfect haircuts and get the makeup on and all that stuff. That's foolishness that does nothing, you know, but to know when someone tells me we've been praying for you is like, you've been taking time before your maker on my behalf and that you've been interceding and praying for me. That's such a blessing. I don't ever take that lightly, brothers and sisters. So a woman like Martha, who was no doubt, you know what, when this needs to happen, I need, you know, yes, I know I need to get up and do whatever, but I need to spend some time in prayer first. You know, that's, that's uh, the, who, uh, you know, Martha, that she was always at the feet of Jesus. And we see that the pattern in her life. Now, all four gospels tell of Jesus being anointed in the gospels account for three different anointings. Uh, Matthew 26 and Mark 14 tell of a woman anointing Jesus's head while he sat at the at Simon the leper's house. It was the alabaster flask of ointment, and it was prophetic of his death and burial. Luke chapter 7, at a Pharisee's house, the Pharisee had been rude and not offered um, to properly take them in and uh, and take care of them in a customary way, offering them uh, water to wash their feet and and uh, just greeting them properly. And uh, there's a woman that washes his feet with her tears, and uh, she's wiping his feet uh, with her hair, and she kissed his feet and anointing him with oil. And that Pharisee that didn't uh, didn't properly greet them in his arrogant heart is saying. If he was a prophet, he would know how filthy a sinner this woman is. Here she is crying out and just at, at that point of, I have done, she just, we see the burden in her life. We see that, that, that when she's at the feet of Jesus, she knows she's met her savior and all she can do is cry at his feet. And as her tears drop down, she's wiping them off with her hair. That, that state of brokenness, she's there, and all this, this uh, arrogant man can do is say, if this guy was a prophet, he'd have nothing to do with that filthy woman, and he'd know who she was, and, and, and he wouldn't let her touch him. And Jesus rebuked the Pharisee for not, and very harshly, for not properly greeting them and providing what they should have. And uh, then he spoke that the woman um, you know, didn't stop worshiping him. And Jesus says, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. And Jesus said to her, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. She never had peace in her life. She had made the complete, uh, a complete mess of her life. And when she finally met Jesus, she worships him. And here's this guy uh, you know, trying, trying to scoff at her uh, act of worship. And Jesus corrects him and tells you get out of here. And, uh, and Jesus says, you know, your sins are forgiven. Go in peace. When God has told us that we can go in peace, 
we can go in peace. Remember that. Because the circumstances of our lives and our enemy uh, will result in the attacks of our enemy will result in attacking the peace of mind and heart that we have in Christ. Because then we get disheveled, right? And we get to a point where there's this... Uh, um, there's a, a, a heart of uh, uh, the anxieties and fears uh, and those things that, oh, you know what, I need, I need this and, and that, that discontentment that can come in. When God has told us to go our way in peace, go our way in peace. Know that the Lord has spoken to us and told us that we can move forward in life in peace. If we don't have that peace this morning, come talk to me. You know, the circumstances have been, you know, I'll pray with you. Pray with a brother or sister that you know and love here. You know, every single one of us, I think I know pretty much all of us. And um, for us to come here, uh, we need to know that we're amongst brothers and sisters where we can be real. And we should be real. Easy to come in and paint the smile on our face like the Joker or something, right? Like a clown. Hey, I'm always happy. Sometimes we're not. Sometimes I'm going through this or that. But we can always go back to the peace of the Lord that's available to us and go, hey, let's pray. Let's ask for God's peace that surpasses all understanding to guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus, right? We can always go to the peace that Jesus Christ is offering. So this wonderful account of true worship, you know, from one that deeply loved the Lord, she's pouring out a pound of very valuable spikenard and a very precious to her, uh, but she moved with a, you know powerful worship, offered it to the Lord. She wipes it away with her, her hair, and this is anointing, uh, an anointing, and it's pointing toward Jesus being the Messiah King, but we also it's also a foreshadowing of, of what we're going to see in John chapter 13, where Jesus is the humble king. And he goes and he washes the feet of his disciples. So it's quite a quite a thing to uh, to consider uh, the the anointing uh, of Jesus by Mary of Bethany uh, and what that means and what it points to. Verse four, ver, verse four, verse four. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who would betray him, said, "Why was this fragrant oil not sold for three hundred denarii?" And given to the poor. This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and he had the money box and he used to take what was put in it. Jesus said to him, let her alone. She has kept this for the day of my burial. For the poor you have with you always, but me you do not always, uh, do not have always. So this is true and heartfelt worship from one of God's sheep was not recognized by a wolf. There's a, there's a wolf in the presence of this whole thing that when a, a sheep is pouring out her heart in worship, the wolf can only say, I'm not getting something from that. And, the, and he, he goes out and, and says here, you know, we, we understand from reading that Jesus was selfish, self-worshipping, and he was a thief. And when he calls out uh, this, he's only concerned for himself. And, uh, you know, he wasn't concerned for the poor at all. And what he's, what he's really trying to do is, is cloak his sin in spiritual talk. You know what I mean? He's trying to say, oh, oh, something much greater than anointing 
God, <laughs> then anointing God could have been done with this special oil. It could have been sold for 300 denarii. That's about what I need to go buy his, you know, new tires for his, you know, souped up truck or whatever. Of course, they didn't have it. I, I get it, right? You know, go put some new wheels on the chariot. I don't know, right? He wanted it for himself. He wanted what was used in worship to be sold so that he could steal from it. If that's not a wolf in sheep's clothing, I don't know what is. He's a wicked man. His little wolf fangs must have been showing as he said it. Matthew 7, verses 15 through 20 says, be, Jesus say, said, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or, or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear... Uh, bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits, you will know them. So when all this happens, Jesus isn't having it and corrects him and says, let her alone, she's worshiping me. And, uh, you know, his sheep that had heard his voice and was following him was worshiping him. And, uh, and Jesus says, the poor you'll always have with me. Uh, with you, but uh, you won't always have me here with you. And uh, um, as Jesus is rebuking him, I wonder what the if there was a look. You know, I see your little lie. You know, oh hey, you got a little wolf drool coming out of your off your fangs right now. You know, there's a correction, and and, uh, and Judas is kind of jumping. You know, just sitting there, just drooling away, just ready to devour. Uh, whatever he can in his selfishness and his self-seeking and um, that he would rebuke somebody who's so whole, wholeheartedly serving Jesus Christ for a selfish reason. You know, that's the work of our enemy. That's somebody who's who's seeking after uh, the enemy and seeking after self in his life. Verse 9, now a great many of the Jews knew that he was there. And they came, not for Jesus' sake only, but they, that they might also see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. But the chief priests plotted to, kill, uh, to uh, put Lazarus to death also, because on account of him, many of the Jews went away and believed in Jesus. So uh, Jesus raising a man from the dead that had been uh, dead for four days was big, big news. Not that's not something little, you know, they had heard all kinds of things, not that any of these things are little, but when they think, oh, uh, you know, this guy was blind and, and he received his sight. Uh, we, we see somebody who was lame for 38 years and he was able to stand up. You know, those those stories were going around. They're hearing more. And then wait a minute. You haven't heard this one. And then on account of Lazarus, everybody's leaving the chief priest, stop following him, them to follow Jesus because when they heard that he had given life uh, to a, a man that was dead for four days in the tomb and uh, that was stinking in there and Jesus called him Lazarus come forth and he and he walked out and restored his life to him most definitely dead any critic that says he wasn't dead he was dead he was all wrapped up smelling stinking uh, in a tomb for four days he was dead everybody knew it and uh, um, uh, any any uh, critic that wants to you know, try to point or skeptic wants to point that out 
they weren't there. Uh, the ones that were, everybody's coming to faith. And they're leaving all these fake people that are supposed to be uh, leading them. And they understand that, wait a minute, these Pharisees haven't been doing anything for me. I'm going to go follow Jesus. And uh, so many knew that Jesus was there, but they wanted to come see. They Now, think about it. You know, if, if in now in our day, if we found out that somebody in southern Maine, uh, this a great miracle had happened, if this had happened to somebody in southern Maine, it, we might be able to get into a, a car and drive down two hours. But if we hear somebody in Arizona, we're going to tune in online, right? You know, we're, we're going to grab our phones and we're going to, but we want to hear what that person has to say. We want to lay our eyes on them and go, that was the person? You know, so everybody, they, they want to come. They want to see Lazarus. They want to see, and, and, you know, the, the question, okay, so you were really dead, right? What did you see? What was heaven like? You know, there's a lot of things that, you know, if somebody had spent four days dead that you might want to sit down and have a coffee with and be like, all right, let, can we can we talk about this? You know, it's probably not going to be like, oh, so tell me when you were seven in third grade. Nobody cares. You know, they want to hear what happened when you were dead. What happened? You know, and so what did, what did you hear Jesus or did you just kind of wake up and walk out or, you know, all those things. So there, there's a lot of people coming and, and um you know, the uh, uh, they're they're leaving the chief priests and uh, they're they're going that way uh, to to learn more about Jesus and what he had done. And not everybody's excited about Lazarus being raised uh, from the dead. We see here that the chief priests had had a plot to put Lazarus to, to death. So Jesus and Lazarus. Uh, now it's uh, the both of them. There's a there's a um, uh, you know a wanted poster inside their you know, chief priest locker room. You know before they walk out, they see the the, the faces uh, there on the on the wall or whatever, uh, and uh, they um, they want to take them out. And the chief priests are are worried because they're losing followers, which uh, they're losing power, they're losing money, they're losing recognition. And uh, so they want to, as their uh, father uh, would do, the devil, uh, they want to just take him out. He was a murderer from the beginning, Jesus said. Verse 12. The next day a great multitude that had <clears throat> come to the feast, when they had heard that Jesus was coming uh, to Jerusalem, uh, took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him and cried out, uh, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. And then Jesus, when he had found a young donkey, sat on it uh, as it was written, Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. Uh, his disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things were written about him and that they had done these things to him. So the triumphal entry account uh, that we're studying here is accounted in all four Gospels. And um, each one provides their own different viewpoints. And uh, some have the same content, some have more. We'll stick to what's here. Um, the, what we would recognize as Palm Sunday. So if you're not uh, familiar, when you look at the at the calendar and you see um, a week before uh, Easter, you see Palm Sunday. Uh, that's what this uh, this is uh, recognizing, and it's uh, this specific uh, thing that's happening here was reckoning uh, recognizing him as the King that had come in the name of the Lord, the Messiah. You know, until this moment, Jesus had been refusing to publicly be acknowledged as the Messiah. He said, my hour's not yet. Hey, when he would sometimes uh, heal somebody, he would, hey, don't, don't share this. 
Don't go out. And of course, what would they do? They'd go and they'd share, and this big crowd would come. And then the question was, is this a Messiah? Is this a Messiah? And he still had work to do. He still had ministry to perform. His hour had not come, come yet. Uh, but now we see, until this moment, um, that everything had been um, kind of pushed to the side. Hey, just keep this quiet. Now, now is when he's allowing it. And uh, uh, his hour had now come. The time uh, was at hand. And, and uh, he was had, had set his face uh, to the cross at this point. And you know, the religious leaders knew what was happening, and they were trying to uh, to stop him. Uh, even more when we uh, when we see uh, in different gospel accounts in, in Luke chapter 19 when the religious leaders saw this some of the Pharisees called to him uh, from the crowd saying teacher rebuke your disciples but when uh, but he answered and said to them I tell you that if these should keep silent the stones would immediately cry out so as they're saying you know so here in America, I, I heard Ken Graves talk about this years ago, and uh, they—I think they were in. Um, is, I, I may be messing up some of the details, so if I do, I will hopefully still get the point. There was a somebody in Israel corrected uh, corrected them because we will sing like Hosanna, Hosanna, um, glory in the highest, or whatever. Oshana, you know what I mean? It's it's pronounced differently. Hosanna sounds like a main thing, doesn't it? Right, an American way of saying it. There's, so they were just saying, hey, what you're in, the way Ken was was describing it was hilarious, and and uh, and it just we Americanize everything so that it all makes sense to us. But as they're crying out in Luke chapter 19, Luke records that they're they're trying to rebuke Jesus and say, hey, tell them to stop doing that. And Jesus, is like, even if I do, the rocks are going to cry out. It was now time for him to be praised and recognized as the Messiah. So they can do whatever they want. Now, the, there's coats on the ground. There's branches of palm trees uh, uh, preparing a path for him. And it's all uh, a fulfillment of Zechariah's prophecy in Zechariah 9.9. It says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. Uh, he is just in having salvation, lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. So here we, we see the king of all creation arriving, riding the colt of a donkey. Um, not necessarily what you would consider uh, somebody who's in an office of uh, such. Uh, now, this is the you know, Messiah king. But if you even come down uh, into uh, looking at leaders of nations, you usually won't see a president or a king of a nation you know, arriving in a Yugo. And you guys remember what a Yugo is, right? Yeah, they're not showing up in a Yugo. They're not, hey, go grab the Yugo that, uh, that's, that's parked over there. Tell them the Lord has need of it. And, you know, we'll, we'll cram everybody in the, you know, that thing and we'll arrive, right? When, when they show up, there's a nice car. There's the whole procession. They got the flags. They've got everything going on here. And we see the king, the creator of, of, of the universe, um, uh, coming uh, in a lowly way on the colt of a donkey that was borrowed. Now remember when Jesus came into this earth, uh, there wasn't enough room for him to even stay where they, when, when Mary was so pregnant uh, that they said, hey, you know what, you can go hang out in the manger. Go out in the barn. Uh, you, guys can, you guys can sleep in the barn if you want. 
There was no room for the Savior there. So here he's borrowing a donkey. He's born in a barn. And when he died, he's buried in a, in a borrowed tomb of Joseph, Joseph of Arimathea's tomb. Think, think of the humility. So when remember when, when Mary is wiping those tears and, and, uh, and, and, and she's serving Jesus. And, then, and, and we'll see next week, Jesus serving uh, as the humble king, the Messiah king. He's being recognized right now as Messiah, and they're, they're getting all excited. Now, I have to believe that there were some that were a little let down. What, Messiah king, and he's riding a donkey? We need to make a bigger deal of this. He's me as part of the party, and I let me go, and I can make this a bigger deal. I can be seen with him. You know, there, there were people, no doubt, definitely um, uh, disappointed in that Jesus would come in such a humble way, riding on the colt of a donkey. But it was in fulfillment of Scripture. Zechariah 9.9 explained exactly how he was going to come in. You know, that, that some of those would be let down. But we serve a, a king that, uh, you know, when he was born, like we said, born in a barn. Uh, he is He's borrowing someone's donkey. And when he died, buried in a, a borrowed tomb. He's also the humble king that we see the humility of Jesus Christ. If that's not a, 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 if there's one person that could have walked out, walked around with a chest pumped out, you guys have seen it, right? You see it uh, in uh, sports. You know, somebody does something big. And, ooh, I, I like sports. I, I grew up, uh, in, you know, as an athlete and uh, did three sports, all those things. But the flashiness in those guys, hey, look at me, look at, you know, look at the thing I did and running, you know, all those things that, that are, are, are boastful of themselves. Then we see the humble king. The humble king coming in riding at the colt of a donkey. That he is uh, the king, the, the God of all creation, that created everything. And how does he come in? Not on the white horse, you know, shining armor and everything, and you know, trumpets playing and everything. He comes in uh, lowly on a, on the colt of a donkey, and people are taking off their jackets, just commoners taking off their jackets. The disciples throwing their jackets down. They're putting down palm trees. Uh, so that, that he can um, have a uh, that that space, you know. We, you look at it, what a joke the red carpet is, and how how messed up the lives are of those people that are honored by you know the red carpets of Hollywood and everything. And just a joke, just a joke. When our king goes in on a donkey, and everybody's got their, their jackets down and palm tree branches put down. Verse seventeen. Therefore, the people who were with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead bore witness for this reason. The people also met him because they had heard what he had, uh, that he had done this sign. The Pharisees therefore said among themselves, you see that you are accomplishing nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. So Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead uh, caused uh, the word to spread like crazy. And many are coming to faith and the Pharisees were threatened at his popularity and we see here the panic. If you don't, if you don't read it, read it again. Uh, you know, the, you see here what you're accomplishing. They're, they're they're arguing amongst themselves. Look, the world has gone after him. You know, you hear the whininess in their voice, the, the panic, and uh, they're they're all afraid of God getting the credit for what He's done because they want it for themselves. Verse twenty. Now then, there were certain Greeks among those who came up to worship at the feast. Uh, then they came to Philip, uh, who was from Bethsaida of Galilee, 
uh, and asked him, saying, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip came and told Andrew, and in turn, Andrew and Philip told Jesus. And uh, but Jesus answered him, answered them, saying, "The hour has come that the Son of Man must be glorified." So Jesus's popularity had spread, and these uh, these Greeks wanted to see Jesus. And, and Philip and Andrew come and tell Jesus that that he's there, and Jesus replies by telling them something much more important, but he does get to them here in a minute. Tells him that his hour had now yet come and uh, had come and, uh, you know, throughout his ministry, he had been declaring that his hour had not yet come, uh, but now it's time for him to be glorified. And he had already been glorified in the triumphal entry, but there was a greater, greater, greater glorification coming. And that would be the glory of the cross and his resurrection. Now the cross was a sign, an instrument of torture and um, uh, humiliation. You know, when somebody was was uh, crucified, they they put a sign over their head and put thief or uh, liar or you know embezzler or whatever it was that uh, you know adulterer, um, and they would put that uh, up over their head to embarrass them. Not only to embarrass them, but to scare everybody else from disobeying and and falling out of line. The cross wasn't something like you wouldn't look at it and go, oh, what a glorious way to die, to be, you know, to be nails pounded uh, through your wrists and, and through your feet, and that you'd have to keep pulling yourself up to gasp for air um, and for everybody to see you, uh, sometimes naked, uh, your, your body just hanging there, just totally humiliated. That's not a, a glorious place to be. But for the Christian, we realize that's where our sin died. That's where the sin was was gone. When Jesus, you know, uh, gave up the ghost and he said, "Is it is finished?" You know, to tell us that that it's all over with. That's where that's where sin died. So there is the the glory of the cross and uh, you know the the um, the glory of the Father. We see the the love the the mission accomplished. Jesus says in verse 24, Most assuredly I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. He who loves uh, his life will lose it. And he who hates his life uh, in this world will keep it uh, for eternal life. And if anyone serves me, let him follow me where I am. There my servant will also be. If anyone serves me, him my father will honor. Now my soul is troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose, I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. And then a voice came from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. So uh, these guys, Andrew and Philip, run up to Jesus. They ask a question and Jesus has more important things to say. And but he'll still, like I said, he'll get to the point where he uh, is is uh, speaking of those uh, Greeks later. So Jesus begins to explain the salvation message, indicating that he must die to produce life. And uh, you know you can you know he he needs to uh, to be died, buried, and and raised again, uh, and raised again, uh, so that we understand that he has. Remember, he made those claims that he has power over death and sin. And whenever he would make a claim, he would back it up by showing uh, that, he, that he does. And this is the ultimate way 
uh, of, of backing it up. Yeah, that he has, uh, you know, I can say all these things, and, any, and many have. People have made some pretty bold uh, statements about themselves and not been able to, to, to back them up. Jesus Christ was the ultimate one of being able to speak one thing and be able to back it up. And he does in his uh, death, burial, and resurrection. And uh, he starts explaining that a grain of wheat needs to die to produce more wheat. And, uh, more, uh, wheat. and life comes as a result of death. Uh, now, if we try to uh, you, you think about anything that needs to be planted, you have to put a seed in there, and that seed uh, will die, and it kind of break open, and then the life, uh, as uh, it gets the nutrients it needs and the water it needs, then, then it will spring up. So our sinful flesh uh, needs to die and be submitted to God's will uh, for us to be able to experience new life in God. That the, the sinner needs to come to that point of repentance. And once we've come to that point of repentance and we've said, you know, what, I don't want to walk in that way anymore. Uh, I want that person to be dead and buried. And in that act of baptism that uh, we make that public declaration of, hey, I'm following Jesus now. Then that that old man is gone and the new one comes up. And we, we are now walking in newness of life. Then God will work in our lives. It's not that, that we accept Jesus and then, hey, I accepted Jesus. Now I can go back uh, to that life of death. <laughs> you know, think, of, think of how silly that is. That life of, of what led me to, to death and desperation. But I prayed and, and now that I've one, at one time in my life proclaimed that, that I, uh, I uh, needed a savior, uh, I no longer need to follow Jesus or walk after him. That's a really dangerous way to live our lives. And I don't want to live my life under that question mark. Continue to seek him. Continue to follow. You'll know them by their fruits, right? So life comes forth after we reckon the old man dead. Hebrews 11, uh, 13 through 16. Now, understanding that as we reject this world and we accept Jesus and we walk with him, our mindset changes and we realize that it's not about this life and what, what's here, the things that we can, uh, you know, oh, hey, I'm going to have the mansion, the car and the fame and the fortune and whatever else it is. None of that means anything. We are people that are passing through uh, here and that our home is, is with the Lord. Uh, Hebrews 11, verses 13 through 16 said, these all died in faith after listing, um, uh, if you want to call it the, the, the hall of faith, um, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland. And truly, if they had called to mind the country from which they had come out, they would have had opportunity to return, but now they desire a better, that is, a heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. That something's got to die for life to come forward. And when we've experienced new life, we have a whole new mindset. The whole new mindset means that we are not of this world. We're in the world, but we're not of it. There should be a difference in the way we conduct our lives. That that old person is gone, the new is, has uh, been raised to life in Christ. And if we serve him and follow him, uh, Jesus said here that, uh, that he's, there's the command there to follow him. 
you know, all others will lead us astray, but, you know, it's not always going to be an easy road to follow Jesus. It's not always going to be the most popular thing. Actually, if it is popular, you can be sure it's not of, of God. Uh, that's usually the case, right? Certainly the greatest reward uh, is at the end, as we just saw in Hebrews. That, that goal, that, that thing that we're pressing toward is that, that heavenly country uh, that God has pre prepared for us. You know, the Father, Jesus said that the Father would honor uh, them that follow him. You know, as we're as we're considering what Jesus just said in here about about walking with him and who um, hates this life, you know, that we would consider this world as a place that we're passing through uh, rather than trying to find fulfillment in it and and uh, whatever our flesh is going to try to convince us we need. No, the more we follow Jesus, the more uh, that we are going to be rewarded in uh, by the Lord. Matthew 25, 23, uh, this is what we should be uh, aiming toward. Uh, as Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. That's what we want. Well done. We want to hear from God, well done, when we get to the end, that our mindset changes, that everything changes, that we uh, we understand that there's nothing in this life that's worth anything even close to um, what we are convinced or what it try, the world tries to convince us um, it can offer us. But as we follow him, uh, God will honor us. Verse 27, Jesus stated that his soul was troubled. But, you know, uh, he says specifically that this is the reason that he came. Yeah, his soul is troubled. You know, he was 100% God and 100% man. And uh, there was not necessarily looking forward to what was going to happen on the cross, the separation between God and man when he took on our sin. Not something that he's looking forward to, but he went to the cross uh, in obedience and, and uh, submitted his will to the fathers, and he explains that he can you know, he he can't go now and go back like God. Can you remember when Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane? You know, Father, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will be done, but Your will be done. Right? Wasn't exactly excited about the separation, and then uh, I mean, he's about to be offered as a sacrifice, but he knew the greatness, uh, the great uh, that was going to come from it. And when Jesus says uh, that, you know, glorify uh, your, yourself, Lord, and what he's saying there, and, and God says, uh, the Father comes, calls out from heaven, says, I both glorified it and will glorify it again. And God's voice was heard uh, after his baptism and after his transfiguration. So here's the third time that those around would hear um, the voice of the Lord. Therefore, the people who stood by heard uh, it said uh, that, it had thundered, uh, heard it and said it had thundered. Others said an angel has spoken to him. Jesus answered and said, The voice did not come because of me, but for your sake. God's voice thundered and all heard it. Some uh, you know, thought it was thunder. Some thought it was an angel speaking. And Jesus explains in his response uh, that, uh, that his prayer wasn't for him. Uh, to to be respond that, that God wouldn't father uh, wouldn't respond to him, but that the father would uh, respond so that they would they would hear. And um, you know these people had seen miracles, they had heard voices from heaven, but we'll see later on that um, it didn't result in a saving uh, uh, 
faith for them. They they had uh, been uh, experienced these things and been blessed by them. Um, but but we'll see, and we're gonna we'll probably end up running out of time where I can fast forward and, and try to get through this. But um, you know, God's voice in the Scripture uh, can shake mountains, or He can whisper very uh, softly in a time of trouble. Remember Elijah. Uh, Elijah's hiding in a cave. And uh, his, his life's in jeopardy. And as he's hiding in the cave, 1 Kings 19, verse 11 and 12, then he, God, uh, said, Go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still small voice that the Lord whispers to uh, to Elijah. Elijah, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? You're running. Don't you know that uh, I'm the one that protects you? What are you doing here? Why are you hiding there? God can speak thunderously so that all can hear or he can whisper to us individually. He has that ability to minister to us. He, he can speak that 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 uh, glorious thunderous voice that all could hear, but he's he's so in tune to us that he can speak to us and he can whisper to us. Verse nineteen, uh, sorry, verse thirty-one. Jesus said, "Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out." So the world and its obedience to Satan has rejected God and rejected his Messiah and worshipped and served the creature rather than the Creator. Second Kings. Uh, sorry, 2 Corinthians 4, verses 3 through 4 say, But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. Ephesians 6, verses, 6, uh, verses 11 through 12 say, uh, Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, against the rulers of darkness in this age, against the spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Colossians 2 verses 14 and 15 say, Having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which, were, which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross, Having disarmed the principalities and powers, uh, he made public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. Those principalities and powers uh, that that there are, uh, there is a spiritual war around us. Uh, we've discussed this at length uh, several times. I know that Will has, as he's as he's taught. So this church isn't um, isn't unaware of those things. But when Jesus says, "Now the judgment of this world and the rulers of this world will be cast out." The work of the cross defeated uh, the uh, those um, principalities and powers and, and rulers of, and of darkness and those things. So Satan himself, uh, through the cross, uh, Jesus Christ defeated Satan. And uh, Satan has been cast out and has no authority over, over the child of God, over the Christian. Verse 32, And I, if I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all peoples to myself. This he said, signifying what, by what death he would die. The people answered him, uh, We have heard from the law that, Christ, that the Christ remains forever. 
And how can you say, the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? Then Jesus said to them, a little while longer, the light is with you. Walk in the light uh, while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. He who walks in darkness does not know where he is going. While you have the light, believe in the light, that you may become sons of light. These things Jesus spoke and departed and was hidden from them. So uh, Jesus is describing uh, in verse 32 that this lifting up um, would not be lifting in praise. So when we say we're lifting up the name of Jesus, we can lift up his name in praise. But Jesus is prophesying of his crucifixion and uh, being lifted up on the cross as a sacrifice for on our behalf. And he says here that he'll draw all peoples unto himself, himself including those Greeks. In verse 20 that came and they wanted to, to meet with Jesus. They wanted to see Jesus. Uh, Jesus said that he would draw all peoples unto himself. So there's their answer. He said, see Jesus, listen to what he has to say. And uh, Jesus said, uh, the, of Greeks, of Gentiles, uh, in John chapter 10, uh, that sheep that are not of his fold would come in. So the people here are ignorant of Messianic prophecy, and uh, they're only uh, looking at the conquering king. And uh, they, they were ignorant of those that speak of the suffering Savior, such as Psalm 22, where uh, it goes to say that they have pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. They cast lots for his clothes. Uh, they surrounded him like dogs. Isaiah 53, verses, uh, uh, two, verses 2 through 7 say, For he shall grow up. Before you, before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He has no form or comeliness. And when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our, uh, our faces from him. He was despised. He did not esteem him. Uh, we did not esteem him. Surely... He has broken, he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. Uh, we all like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth, and he was led as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shears was silent, so he opened not his mouth. Jesus was talking about that crucifixion, and that through that crucifixion, he would draw all uh, to himself. And as they're listening, like, wait a minute, I thought you were the Messiah. We were, we were just out here praising your name and, and yelling praises, yelling these things. Uh, and uh, what are you talking about that you're not going to be here? We thought Messiah was going to be here forever. They didn't. They weren't. Uh, they were ignorant of those verses of the suffering Savior and the one that would die for them. <clears throat> you know, they were only looking for the conquering King. Isaiah nine verses six through seven says, "For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and he, uh, his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor." Wonderful. Counselor, a mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, and of the increase of His government and peace, there shall be no, there will be no end upon the throne of David and upon and 
over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice uh, from that time forward, even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. They weren't considering uh, what the other messianic prophecies were saying. They were only looking forward to the conquering king that was going to take over. And uh, and we can just walk with him. He's going to deliver us from Rome. All these things. <coughs> and he's saying, a little while longer. I thought you said the Messiah was going to be here forever. You know, I thought that's what the scripture said. And now you're saying a different thing. And you're saying you're not going to be here with us for a while. You're only going to be here with us for a little while. And then you're gone. You're not going to be here. We're confused. They weren't, they weren't thinking of those messianic prophecies such as the ones that are in Psalm 22, Isaiah 53, of the suffering Savior. Now his first coming, coming, he came as a suffering Savior, and the second will be a much different story, the one that they were looking for. And Jesus said the light will only be with them for a little while longer. There's no time to delay you know, while you have the light, and Jesus is telling them to come to the light. Because uh, sons of light are, are sons of God, and while the truth is being presented to you, you know, grab it. You know, you know that truth is 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 what you need to follow. Then go into it and just say, you know what, this is it. We're called to to walk in and 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 uh, live in Jesus and and uh, uh, in our lives uh, that He would be. Uh, the source of light in our lives. And, and uh, Jesus is talking about that darkness and that darkness that would overtake them. And Jesus said in, in uh, John chapter 8, verse 12, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. You know, the goal of the darkness is to overtake, is to steal, kill, and destroy, right? Second Corinthians 6, verse 2 says, For he says, In an acceptable time I have heard you, and in the day of salvation, I have helped you. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Paul quoting Isaiah 49. Now is the day of salvation. We're having discussions with people that we know, and they're going, yes, I know that's true. Great. Then stop rejecting it. You know, if we're having those discussions, someone doesn't want to get into that, where they take that step of faith, and now they're walking with Jesus, say, no, now today is the day of salvation. You've heard the truth. Respond to it. And, uh, we are we're going to stop right there, and uh, we'll pick up in verse thirty-seven uh, next week, and um, we'll we'll continue through. But we're already ten minutes over, and uh, there are screaming children, and uh, and those things. But uh, let's pray, Father. We are grateful for your word. We're grateful for who you are. We're grateful, Lord, that we when we see true worship, it is precious to you. And, Lord, that you will defend us, Lord, and, God, that we'd never be discouraged by anybody uh, from our worship, Lord. And uh, from, oh, you know, we may hear from loved ones telling, you know, why do you go to church? Why do you read? You, you know, you can go to church and you can serve God wherever. You know, those things that we may hear from other people that our acts of worship uh, are not, be, uh, not productive enough. Lord, it might be that they uh, they have sinful desire to steal from us. Oh Lord, we we see uh, your message and that you are you are calling still even in these last times, uh, these this last week of your life, you're calling people from the darkness and into your light. Lord, that we would uh, place our faith and trust in you, and that it would remain. 
knowing, Lord, that uh, you can minister to us and uh, and and even to the point of whispering to us in a point where we are 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 in a spot where we uh, we're running and we're hiding, thinking the circumstances of life are going to take us over. But your will, your your voice can speak to us even uh, in that cave, like uh, like uh, Elijah was in, knowing that you are uh, all sufficient. We praise you, we love you, and we ask you to uh, help us uh, to remember what we've studied here and, and that you'd uh, remind us and speak to our hearts um, uh, throughout the week as we leave here today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.